You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, episode 28 with Maurice Cherry. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. What is up, Trailblazers? Thank you so very much for tuning in to today's episode. Today, I'm talking with Maurice Cherry. Maurice is the founder and principal at Launch, where he helps creative brands craft messages and tell stories to their targeted audiences. Some of his past clients and collaborators include Vox Media, Nike, Media Bistro, and the City of Atlanta, just to name a few. He's a pioneering digital creator, and he's most well known for the Black Weblog Awards and other projects that include the award-winning podcast Revision Path, 28 Days of the Web, and the Year of Tea. His projects and overall design work and advocacy have been recognized by the likes of NPR, News One, CNN, The Atlanta Journal, Constitution, and The Los Angeles Times. Maurice is an educator and has built curricula and taught courses on web design, web development, email marketing, WordPress, and podcasting for thousands of students over the past 10 years. He holds a bachelor's degree in mathematics from Morehouse College, and a master's degree in telecommunications management from Keller Graduate School of Management. I'm certain you guys are going to enjoy today's conversation and come away with some nuggets to help, you know, especially with understanding why your personal and professional design and brand approach is is so very valuable. Let's go ahead and dive in. I hope you enjoy. Today, we are talking with Maurice Cherry. Maurice, thank you so much for being our guest on today's episode. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. So, you know, I thought to start off tonight's talk with you by asking you really to reflect on your life's journey, you know, through all that's happened to bring you to this point right now. And I just ask that you could, you know, maybe share what you're most grateful for in your life right now. I think what I'm most grateful for right now is... uh Oh, that's a good question. The thing I'm most grateful for right now is the future. Um, mm. I'm always thinking ahead. I'm always that kind of person that's always thinking 5, 10, 15 steps ahead. So I'm grateful for the fact that I can really be able to look forward and see what might be coming down the pipe. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I'm most grateful for right now. I mean, you know, time is kind of a funny thing because – Every moment that we're living is history, if you think about it. Like, even this present moment that we're talking right now is now history. Right. It's now the past. And anything right. we might talk about, you know, coming up is the future. So I'm just always excited about the possibilities, about what could happen. A lot of the work that I do focuses on kind of the big picture goals of what might happen in the future based on the actions that we take now. So, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm really kind of most grateful for. Wow. That's pretty cool. So I was reading your bio and you have so much happening, right? You've you're you're such a you're a serial entrepreneur. You've given birth to to lunch, to your Vision Path podcast, Weblog Awards. What are you hoping to create through these brands? Well, I would think well let's I want to separate lunch out because I mean lunch is, is a bit different because that's my my more design podcast well I wouldn't say podcast, that's more my design business, although everything mm -hmm. that I do falls under the umbrella of lunch. 
Um, but with my other gotcha. projects that I try to do with the Black Weblog Awards, with Revision Path, etc., um, I'm really trying to create these platforms that showcase the the multitudes and the variety of, of accomplishments and achievements that black people are doing right now in the digital mm-hmm. space. With the Black Weblog Awards, that was with bloggers, video bloggers, and podcasters. Actually, um, I started that in 2004. I sold it in wow. 2011, but it's still going on. Actually, I mean, we're recording this right now. The, geez, I think it's maybe like the the 12th or 13th annual Black Weblog Awards is going to be held in, I want to say it's in D.C. this year. Really? This weekend. I think it's Saturday, yeah. Um, wow. I think that's what it's, it's happening. Um, and with Revision Path, I am spotlighting, you know, black designers, black developers that are all over the world to kind of counter any sort of, you know, myth or talk out there of the fact that there's a talent shortage or that there aren't any black designers or, or black tech people out there. So my whole goal with these two platforms has really been about empowerment. It's been about um, uplifting and hopefully enlightening people as to the, the talent that's out there. Mm-hmm. Wow. What, what's, what, what are you most passionate about when you, when you're building the, these platforms? What am I most passionate about? I just like seeing it all come together. Mm. Uh, because usually whenever I, I get an idea for something in my mind, I already see what it's going to be. Like I already see what the end result is. And yeah. I like being able to put all the pieces together to get to that end result. Um, it's something that I think has stuck with me, you know, over the years. I mean, even when I was a kid, I really liked putting things together like Legos and things like that. I did a bunch of stuff in wood shop. You know, I was always building something. And mm-hmm. so being able to see my ideas come to fruition in the real world, I get excited just getting all the parts together and making everything, you know, work and happen. I like having both my hands in there, you know, making the donuts, so to speak. I like really getting in there and, and making it work. Nice. Nice. I'm sure you've you've learned so much. What have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned about yourself and about your business in going through this process? Let's see. The biggest of lesson entrepreneurship. of entrepreneurship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think the first and most important lesson is to get an accountant. That's been the most important thing that I can do, I can think of because for me, I can get so bogged down in the actual design or the actual business part of it that I will not think about the things that really are important, like the money that needs to come in in order to keep the business going. And for Mm -hmm. me to hire an accountant to have someone that can do the taxes and balance the books, and that's one thing that I don't have to worry about, I wish I would have known that earlier in my entrepreneurial career to have that sort of support there. Like as soon as I'm able to afford it, that's what I need to do. So I would recommend that, I think, to anybody that's going to start a business, you know, get your money straight because that's what's going to ensure that you're actually able to keep going. You know, when businesses go out of business, largely it's because they run out of money. And so if Mm -hmm. you've got your accountant or you have someone there that's going to be able to keep your books level and keep you in the black, then that's what you want. That's what you need, you know, to make sure that you can keep your business going. That's the first big lesson. Uh, What have I learned about myself? I always had a, a strong work ethic, I think. I, <laughs> it's going to sound kind of weird. I mean, even when I was in school, 
I I was not the biggest studier. I think my, my mom will definitely tell you I was not one to always study or anything like that. I would learn what I needed to learn in class, and I would come home and, and play video games, or I would play music or, or practice my trombone or something like that. I was never one to really do a lot of studying. Wow. Um, and so really when I started my business, that's when I feel like my work ethic totally activated because if I don't work, I don't make money. And if mm-hmm. I don't make money, then my business goes out of business and, you know, I don't have a place to stay and I can't eat. So I've learned that I have a really strong work ethic to get things done. I've learned basically more about myself in terms of how I work. I know what motivates me. I know what won't motivate me. I know the best times of day for me to work. I know the best tasks I need to be doing based on how I might be feeling at the time. So I know myself very well to how I do business, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think anyone that's an entrepreneur can sort of attest to that feeling of really kind of having to do deep introspection on a lot of things. And that has afforded me that ability to really be able to to know myself, to check myself, to know when I need to stop doing this and work on something else. And uh, that has really helped. And I think the last thing that I have learned is it's important to get a team behind you. And this is sort of related to the whole thing about, you know, getting, you know, an accountant. But even having a team that can just take some of the the load off of you. Right. a lot. And I don't mean that you necessarily have to go run out and hire a bunch of employees, but even just like a virtual assistant. So you don't have to be the one answering email. So you can focus more on the business or focus more on what you got into business for and not have to get bogged down with all the administrative stuff. That just helps out so much. I mean, now I'm fortunate to have a small team that works with me with my business. And I have a small team that works with me even on the podcast. So mm-hmm. now I'm not doing everything that I have to do. I can focus on the main things that keep, you know, keep everything going, which is talking to clients and interviewing guests and things like that. Good points, man. As you're talking, I was thinking about, you know, Michael Gerbo's book, E-Myth Revisited. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've, you've ever had a chance to read that book. Yeah, but, I've, you I've know, read that. It kind of gives thought to, you know, being a technician, you know, in, in your case, being a designer, right? You're you're so focused on, on doing your craft, doing what you're good at. And, you know, we really do need to have those other pieces in place to help manage the actual business. And, and the other components of that, you know, that, that really make that business tick and grow and scale. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you touched on um, the money aspect and the revenue generating piece a minute ago. Are you able to monetize these? Well, you sold a web blog, but, you know, is you're not monetizing the podcast at all. Your, your, your true earnings come through lunch, correct? No, the podcast is monetized too. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. actually, at this point, um, the podcast is what I'm doing full time. Some, really? The summer is usually our slow month, and I'm taking time in the summer to kind of, you know, read some books and, and look back over some things with lunch, things that I want to change, you know, coming into the, the next few months. I'm actually going to be part of a business boot camp in a few weeks, which hopefully when I'm done with that, I'll help. That will help me kind of change and shift some things in my business. But the summer is usually our slow season. Um, a lot okay. of our clients really only need us in the fall and the winter, I guess, leading up to holiday stuff. And then if they want a new refresh for the new year, that's usually when they, when they kind of need us. So I'm fortunate that the clients that I do have, I've been, you know, they've been my clients for years and years. So 
even if there is that sort of lull during the summer, it doesn't mean that they don't they won't need me later. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. And I can still go and see the work that I'm doing or I might chime in on something, you know, just still keep the lines of communication open. But okay. I would say at this point in time, I mean, podcasting is what I'm doing full time. So I've totally been able to monetize that. Wow. What are you doing in your businesses in, in both, both podcasts and launch that's been happening in the last, you know, six months to a year or more that have helped, you know, pave the way to to kind of allow you to be where you are today? What what habits, what, you know, steps are you taking that allow you to probably get to this point, right? A lot of businesses that probably get to a lull are stressed out, mm-hmm. you know, like, that revenue isn't coming. They aren't. They aren't comfortable sitting down and you know taking a boot camp and reading some books. Right. <laughs> right. So you know. So what are you doing? Um, what actions are you taking? You know, and and going back right that allowed you to get to to now to where you can kind of sit back and have that peace of mind and be able to rechannel and refocus and kick back in gear, so to say when when your season gets back in gear? Yeah. Well, for me, I try not to take on clients that are only going to be one-time engagements. Um, mm. I only try to take on, because for me, relationships are very important as it relates to my business. Um, like I said, the clients that I've had, they've been clients of mine for you know five, six years or more. Um, when I come on and work with a client, I want to be more of a trusted advisor as opposed to just a set of hands. And I think certainly as designers, we can fall into that trap of right. only being the set of hands that changes this on the website and does, you know, makes a little email newsletter or does a little graphic or something. And I mean, that's great, but uh, I come in and bring more to the table than just being able to do that. If you just need someone to do that, you can hire someone on Upwork for pennies on the dollar. That's great. Right. I bring a lot more to the table than just being able to do that. I bring my years of experience. I bring my education. I bring uh, the work that I've done for public sector, for private sector, for government. So I bring a lot of that as well as business strategy to the table. So when a client hires me, they're not just getting, or when they hire lunch, I should say, they're not just getting a set of hands that can do this. They're getting someone that can really give them insight and help them transform their business. So all my clients are retainer clients. We usually mm. sign on for at the minimum six months and then, you know, at the most a year and then it just renews, you know, every six months or every year or something like that. So even though there is that lull of work that comes in, we're still getting paid because that's part of the agreement. And, you know, the work that we're doing, it's not like we're always doing big, intensive work all the time. I mean, these are our clients that might need a new microsite up or they might need a newsletter or they might need, you know, they have continual needs throughout the year. And so it's easier and cheaper for them to hire me on, you know, on a retainer, you know, on a retainer basis, as opposed to just these kind of one off little tasks. Yes. And also, yes. you know, it helps give me more time to focus on the podcast and to focus on other things that I'm doing, which is great. Uh, so, yeah, with lunch, all our clients are retainer clients. We don't we really try not to do any one off type deals, even if it is a one off thing. We'll try to build some kind of a maintenance schedule into it. Like, you know, we'll do this for three months or six months or what have you, because oftentimes what will happen, even with these one off things, is you finish doing what you have to do and you pass it off to the client, and then they get in there and start messing up stuff, and then they need you to come back. <laughs> it's like, right. oh, well, if you've already got this maintenance contract, we can do that. We can come back and help you out. 
Um, right. You know, if not, then you've got to see what our availability is and get back on our calendar. And, you know, it can end up being this whole thing. So uh, mm. that's how I'm I'm monetized with my business. So even though it is this lull in the summer, I'm not like I'm not hurting because of it. Great. With the show, Great. we've got annual sponsors, at least is what we have right now. We've had episode sponsors and things in the past, but right now I found the most success with annual sponsors. So right now we have three annual sponsors, wow. uh, MailChimp, Hover, and Facebook. And so they just pay for the year, and I mention them at the top and at the the end of each show. They've got something in the show notes. They've got something in our newsletter. They have very prominent uh, you know, real estate throughout the revision path website, website, our right. social media and everything. So, right. But combining those two, that's pretty much what I'm, I'm being able to do for monetizing. And I also, I teach, I teach courses with media bistro. That's not, you know, a, a huge windfall, but it does allow me to keep in touch with students and to, to really, I really like teaching. So it allows me to also pass on what I know to people in a really easily digestible way. Oftentimes, I will get people that want to know about, oh, I want to know about email marketing. I want to know about podcasting. And they may not have the money to hire me, but they can take my course. Right. And so they can take right. the course. And if they really need more after that, then they can they can hire me. But the course is something that is low cost that they can easily, you know, go through at their own leisure and not have to right. feel pressured. Right, right, right. And I have to say, you know, for those listening, I subscribe to so many different newsletters and, you know, opt-ins. And I have to tell you, your 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 opt-ins are so well-branded and so so awesome. You oh, barely you. <laughs> think it's like the standard, you know, MailChimp subscription screens. I, I really liked how you branded it. I was almost like, is this MailChimp? <laughs> Because so, you know, so, so few of us actually take the time, right, yeah, to, and I to mean, actually brand it. Yeah, we've, I mean, our business worked with MailChimp for, God, at least five years, I want to say. Um, MailChimp has an experts exchange program that we've been a part of for a, a really long time, I think since they started it about five years ago. So, And they're right here in Atlanta. I've, I've been to the okay. offices. I'm, I know several employees there. So MailChimp and us, we, we work really well together. Wow. Yeah, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta get my Mailchimp game up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Maurice, you're, you're someone, obviously, as I just echoed, you're, you have a keen eye towards brand design, right? Across the board, your website, your brand design for both launch and revision path are just awesome. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, I know a thought that's definitely on the minds of, you know, many small business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs. Oftentimes I've heard these questions, right, where where they're they're asking themselves or they're asking you as a designer, you know, do I do I really want to spend all this money to design a new logo, brand identity or web design? You know, how is this going to going to provide a solid return on my investment, right? They're, they're thinking ROI right. and they're thinking, you know, is this, is this really going to help me increase my bottom line? As a designer, how do you respond to those questions? Is it still important that we establish a solid brand identity and why? Well, it's important to establish a solid brand identity just to set you apart in the market from, from everyone else. Uh, in terms of the, the ROI, I think Clients are looking at design in the wrong way when they do that because what mm -hmm. happens is then they look at design strictly as a transactional value. You know, I paid X, 
so I should be able to get Y from it. You know, it's like going to the store and picking up a loaf of bread or something, which is not really what design's value is for a business. And to, to sort of, you know, go further with that, they have to think about the value. What does this mean? What does having a, a good, well-branded design mean for my business? How does that set me apart from everyone else that's in my, my category? How does that set me apart from my competitors? You know, right. if you've got a well-crafted logo and all the other things that go along with that, if we're talking about a brand identity, a style guide, your colors, your fonts, um, depending on the type of business, maybe you have printed collateral that goes along with that, business cards, letterheads, et cetera. If it's digital, yeah. you've got you know different avatars and you've got social media graphics and things of that nature. It just makes you look like you've got everything together. It makes right. you look like you have – it makes it look like you're a, a business that has their stuff together. Right. And that level right. of value is, you know, often subconsciously communicated to the customer in, you know, really subtle ways. I mean, I think we all know when something has been poorly designed. We all know when something looks cheap. We all know right. when something doesn't look like it has value to it. Now, you compare that to something that does have, you know, really nice typography and the graphics look great and the photos look good, you know, okay, they really got it together. Yes. And, you know, if you're a business, if you're a customer that wants to be associated with that, that's what's going to draw you in is that design. So businesses shouldn't look at it strictly in a transactional way. They should look at what is the value that this is bringing overall to my business, to my brand by having these assets and having this particular look and feel that only a designer can communicate. I, I am such a believer in, in good brand design, but as a marketer, I run up against that at all times, right? You know, people are like, oh, you know, the ROI thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you can't look at it in that light, you know? Uh, there's so much more to it, uh, in, in, you know, in terms of intangibles. Yeah, that, and, and honestly, for designers, I mean, we, we know that. We are often we often get those kinds of requests where it's like, I need a logo. How much does it cost? I need a right. website. How much does it cost? And the designer, it's, it's, it puts the designer in a difficult position because if you just want us to throw out a ballpark number, that's really, I mean, that hurts both of us. It hurts uh -huh. you because you think now every logo costs this much money. And that right. dollar amount is going to differ based on who you talk to because Designers have different skill levels. They've got, you know, different levels of experience. Like, it's, it's just going to be different, first of all. Right. Secondly, you may start that and think, well, I need more than a logo. Now I need this. Now I need that. And if the designer is not smart enough to question you and say, are you sure that's just what you need, to actually sit right. down and talk with you and get an idea of what your needs are, then that puts, the, the, scope. Yeah. Right, then that puts the designer in a bad light or in a bad spot because they don't know. Now, they don't know what the scope of the project is. It's going to start ballooning, and the client is going to think, well, the, well, this designer doesn't have it together. And the designer is going to think, well, the client doesn't know what they want. And then that is just friction right there. So don't look at it as just a transactional value. Like, if you know what that value is going to bring to your business, then really have a thoughtful discussion with your designer ask them questions, have them ask you questions, really kind of get to the root of what it is that you really need more than just this one piece, more than just a logo or just a website. Like, what does that mean for your business as a whole? That's, that's a good way of thinking about it. I want to switch gears with you for a second. 
this is an area of the show where we like to address challenges and fears that that we all have as as business professionals as entrepreneurs it's inevitable that we hit roadblocks along the way as as business owners and i want you to think back for a minute and maybe share a story with us about a roadblock challenge fear that you experienced you know and if you could just share with us you know what happened what did you do to overcome it and 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 allow you to move forward from it okay i can give you an example this actually happened oh wow this might have been almost a year ago uh this happened so one of my longtime clients who i still keep in contact with um they're a local nonprofit here in Atlanta, and we've been working together since 2010. Great relationship. As we've been working together, they've had some staff turnover. And so some of the same people that I started working with back in 2010, now I'm no longer working with them in 2015. And so with, with that, they managed to bring on a new executive director. And mm. the new executive director, her and I did not really – I think see eye to eye because right. she wanted to come in and really kind of make it her own. And mm. I understood that, but I also wanted to at least get a chance to talk with her so I could get her perspective. And she really didn't even want to do that. And so when she started, a lot of people kept leaving. Um, and that was really difficult because I'm thinking, well, if all these people are leaving the business, then what does that mean for me? For because me. Right. this is one of my biggest clients. I've been working with this company for a long time. You know, do I need to start looking for other clients right now? You know, like that's all these these thoughts are coming into my head. And sure enough, um, I think about 90 percent of the staff had turned over by the time she started. Wow. And I don't know if, if she ran them off or if they were just like we this is time for us to look for something else. But then, you know, she decided that they were going to get rid of all their external vendors and bring things in house. And so they got rid of not just me, but like their PR firm, they got rid of another design company they were working with. And it did throw me for a loop for a while because I really was not prepared for it. I was prepared, but not prepared. If that makes any sense, like you can sense it Mm -hmm. coming, but then when it actually happens, you're like, Oh, it's like a shot to the heart, you know? Right. And when it happened, I was, you know, quite honestly sort of taken aback. I mean, I still had, 30 days on our contract. Um, so I was like, oh, well, we got another 30 days. That's fine. <laughs> um, but then she decided, yeah, and the 30 days, we're not honoring that. I'm like, what? oh, so now I'm really like up, 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 up a creek. creek. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, really out of, I'm really out of my element here. So I was stressed out for about, I don't know, maybe like a good two weeks because they're like, oh, well, we need you to transfer over all the assets or whatever. We're going to have a meeting where we talk to our internal stakeholders. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, okay, I guess we can do this. I mean, I could tell she was trying to handle it very cordially. I did not feel that way because I felt like it was really abrupt. And and I know that she kind of ran everyone off and I just wasn't feeling great about the situation. But, you know, I said, you know, this could be an opportunity for something else. Let me just get everything together that I need. I'll go to this meeting. And I, you know, downloaded all the five years of stuff that they had. You know, the good thing about all this stuff being digital is that even though it's years and years of stuff, it it's not a lot if you think about the data. So it really all right. fit on like a eight gigabyte flash drive. Wow. Like the size of my thumb, essentially. Yeah. And I remember going into the meeting and the stuff, you know, the stakeholders were there and we're talking or whatnot. And they're like, yeah, we want to just pass over all the files. And I just like reach in my like, 
jacket pocket, like pull it out my chest pocket, <laughs> up, like slide it across the table, like here you go. And they're like, that's it. I'm like, yeah, that's everything. You open it up. There's a, a spreadsheet that tells you what's in each folder, what you need. You're good to go. Wow. I'm out. I didn't really have anything else to do after that. Um, and then I, I think it was maybe a week or so after that, a company had called me up because they saw me speak at uh, South by Southwest earlier in that year. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to bring me on to do a consulting job for them for six months. And I was able to do it at three times the rate that that nonprofit was paying me. And it just, it all just kind of worked out. And so wow. I, was, I was freaked out for a while because, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. But now this this opportunity just really dropped in my lap. And I'm like, I'll take it. I'll do it. And I, I'm See? still kind of working with them now on a, you know, sort of an on and off basis. But I've, right. I've been able to still maintain that relationship with them. So it's been pretty good. That's amazing, man. That's, you know, that's that's how things all tend to work themselves out as they should. Yeah, and I, and and honestly, and I, I know this is this. I don't want this to sound petty, but now that I look back at the nonprofit, and I don't know what they're doing internally or, or whatnot, but I can I can tell that it has sort of degraded a little bit. I, yeah, I still yeah. check in with them and you know kind of see how things are going, but I don't know anyone that works there anymore. So wow. you know, because everyone left, but yeah. I still kind of check in just to keep the lines of communication open and let them know that in the future if something changes, because it could. You know, we're still here. We still have a good working relationship. You know, don't forget about us because we're still here. We're right here in Atlanta where you are. So, yeah. That's that's when you, you look at the, the opportunity to multiply is all those people are leaving. You need to look at where they went. <laughs> exactly. And if it's multiple places, that's multiple opportunities for you to, to get your foot in. Exactly. In the door. So that's great, man. I appreciate you sharing that story. Maurice, I'd love if you would, uh, you know, maybe share a couple, a couple lessons, right? That someone listening who's maybe in the process right now of having to pivot, as you did, um, or altogether reset with career, you know, what what do you think they need to to, to know, right, to begin to lay the right foundation to to grow and succeed on, you know, their career journey, but uh, also on a life journey. Well, I think it helps to have that that level of of introspection, like really sit down and try to I, I know that this sounds kind of, you know, hippy dippy, but really try to sit down and learn who you are, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. And there are resources that can kind of help you with this. Of course, if you think about, say, for example, uh, the Myers-Briggs personality test and right. maybe give you some insights or. Uh, strengths finder I find is a really good tool to kind of learn about what are, what are my strengths? What are my things that I'm really good at? And I take those things and I map them towards the skills that I have. Right. And with that, I try to see what are the combinations of these things that can, you know, possibly put me in a different position or a different pivoting, you know, kind of way. So for example, let's say podcasting, for example, you know, we we invest all this money in this gear and we have everything and we're talking and recording. And, yeah, we can make money doing podcasts, but then think about what are the other things that you could be making money for with your voice. Right. You could read audiobooks. You right. could sell cheap gigs on Fiverr if you've got, like, a really good voice and you can sell, like, 
because I've seen that. I've seen like cheap gigs where people say, oh, I'll record your podcast intro for $5 or if you need more, it's $10 or whatever. And it doesn't sound like a lot. But honestly, well, how much how much is that really costing us to do? Right. You know, maybe a, a hour tops, perhaps, maybe to get the tone right and everything like. So I, I look at those ways of, of trying to see where I would pivot off and do something different. So for me, it's with teaching. I do that. Of course, I do podcasting. I do my business. But then if I really wanted to pivot off and do other things, I could teach other subjects. I could, you know, sell things on an online marketplace. There's a number of different things that I could do just based on the skills that I have and, you know, just the talents that I know that I possess. So really sitting down and getting an idea of what that is. is what you're good yeah, at. Yeah, what you're good at in terms of your, your just skills, but then also just who you are as a person right. can really help out a lot. Those are good nuggets of wisdom. I appreciate you sharing that. So what can we look forward to with you? What 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 are some of your big dreams and goals on, on Maurice's vision board for the next 10 years and beyond? I would love to still be doing Revision Path in 10 years. Um, yeah. I would love to have like a podcast network and have my own studio with the different kind of shows that I do. Um, Cause I mean, I'm not, I'm not new to podcasting. I've been podcasting for about 10 years, so I'm not new to all of this, but I've done, you know, largely all of this just at home in my bedroom, you know, whatever. It's not anything that's been a big thing. And now that I've been able to do this for so long and talk to so many people, I would love to be able to take just the work that I'm doing and take it to a bigger larger platforms i would i would love to still be doing revision path maybe have that coupled into doing some events of course doing more speaking um i i'm really trying hard right now to get the show into schools as part of their curriculum like design schools so in 10 years i would love that to be kind of a normal thing where you're you're a design student at parsons or something and your assignment is to listen to these three episodes of Revision Path and come back with, you know, what your findings are. I would love that because I think what I'm doing with the show particularly is I'm helping to give a voice to a community that largely has not had a voice and that largely has been left out of just that level of education as it relates to design. So um, in 10 years, I would love for Revision Path to really be part of the conversation still, part of the the curriculum as it relates to design. In terms of my business, in terms of lunch, I don't know if I still want to do lunch in 10 years. Really? I, I Because lunch has served really as like my umbrella for so many other things that I've done. I really have no idea what, if I want to still be designing, doing websites and stuff in 10 years. Maybe. I mean, our... our industry changes so quickly. I was just going to say, like, I wonder what there, websites are going right, to be in there, 10 years. There's no telling what websites are going to be in 10 years, and I may not, you know, even have the Constitution to want to do that anymore. You know, I right. mean, certainly now we're seeing so many things with VR and with immersive environments. I'm sure that's only going to expand. I don't know right. if I want to do that in 10 years. I'll be, yeah. yeah, I'll be in my 40s. I don't know if that's something that I really want to be fooling with, you know. I mean, certainly what I like doing what I do with the show and I feel like I've been able to reach so many more people with that that I have with my business. Not to say that my business, you know, with lunches is, is a small thing. It is. I, I am been able to do impact there with businesses and with people, but not on the scale that I have been with the show. Right. And so I think I would want to focus more on that probably 
I don't know if I'd still be doing like web stuff like that in 10 years. Actually, you know what I would love to do in 10 years? And this is totally not web related. I would go back to being a musician. Really? So I was a musician all through middle school, high school, college. I played trombone. I played a little trumpet. I played uh, baritone slash euphonium. Um, wow. So I, I mean, I played all in the in band. I ranked in all state. I played in jazz bands, marching bands, symphonic bands, you name it. Um, Do you still play today? I don't. I gave it up when I turned 30. I sold my trombone and was like, yeah, let me just focus on my business. Because I always had it like in the corner. It was like in the corner of my room mocking right. me, collecting <laughs> dust. Like, why aren't you playing me? And I mean, I live in an apartment. I can't I can't necessarily pull out a big trombone and just start practicing, you know, and I don't have a studio or anything I can go to. But I've always wanted to have my own Afro-Cuban like big bands like a Bobby Sanabria, like something like that. So in 10 years, if I had the time and the money and the space to do that, I would totally do that. Um, I would do it. I would be the band leader because I also like composed music and stuff when I was in in high school and college. So I would, I would love to do that. I would totally love to do that in 10 years. I would go back to being a musician. Like if all this other stuff just fell through, if podcasts went out of favor, if I decided not to do anything with the web, I would, I would go back to music. Well, whether it, it whether it does or doesn't, I still think you should. You should definitely keep it keep it going. Yeah, keep I, it alive. I still I still remember my scales. I still do a lot of stuff with music. I play you know play around, singing in the shower, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I would <laughs> I would totally go back to that in a heartbeat if if uh if, awesome. if everything lined up correctly. I would that would totally be on my bucket list to do. God, God hears your vision. In ten years, you're going to be in schools with your podcast, helping design designers, the future world of designers. I'm excited listening to that. That's that's a pretty cool cool vision to have. So you know, we like to have you share some resources as we finish up here, just so you know we can help help those listening to kind of look at resources and tools you might be using day to day. So, what's one book you've read in the in the past year that's inspired you most? Oh, let's see. One book in the past year. Hmm. Just one? I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books. <laughs> I, I, I listen to a lot of books on just like audio books. Oh, throw out a couple. Okay. So I just recently finished Creative Strategy and the Business of Design. It's a book by uh, Douglas Davis. And it talks about how designers can use strategy within their their you know design work to kind of transform their business whether that comes from understanding your clients whether that comes from redesigning your portfolio you know winning new accounts things of that nature really really good book it just came out recently so i would recommend that for designers uh for personal i would say edification i'm also i'm rereading i should say unlabel which is a book by mark echo uh, it's called Unlabeled, Selling You Without Selling Out. And it's about basically how you stick to your own core values and how you can use that to basically build your your personal brand, so to speak. Wow. Um, God, what else? Because I, I, I listen to audiobooks, like I said, through Audible, through Blinkist, through a bunch of different things. Um, the Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz right. is a really good right. book. Um 
teaches you about, I mean, it's, it's helped teach me new things about business. And, and certainly I've been able to take some of those things and really just reapply them in my life in general. Uh, Design is a Job by Mike Montero. It's really kind of more of a pep talk book. I think if you're either new to design, entrepreneurship, or you've been in the game for a while and you just need that refresher, it's a really good, honest book about what you need to do to kind of basically separate yourself from the the technician slash mechanics out there and be like a working designer. These are good resources. And I've also... I would say I'm re. I guess I'm rereading it, uh, but this was a while ago. The Five Love Languages, and I'm I'm reading that not on like a romantic level, but I'm reading it because I've been able to take some of those same things and apply them with customer service. Really? Yeah. So like you know, there's the five love languages. There's um, what is it? Acts of service, quality time, physical touch. There's two more. I can't think of it. But then you think about how that relates to your customers that you're serving, everyone has, you know, different ways. So like if it's quality time with that client, maybe that means you're actually doing meetings and having calls with them and dropping in. If it's, right. if it's acts of service, you're sending them resources that they are, you know, might not even be thinking of that can help them out. If it's, uh, I don't know, what's another one, like physical touch or something. Maybe it's giving them high fives, stuff like that. Like, you know, certain things like that. Um, I'm learning to, use those in my business as I talk to clients and things like that. And even I sometimes even use those in interviewing, like in very small, sly ways. Like when I do, when I interview people for the show, it's often the first interview that they've ever had. And so Mm. what I have to do very quickly is warm up on bill rapport. Yeah. Get that rapport, make them super comfortable, maybe within like five or 10 minutes. And then we just launch right into it. Right. Um, and so I, oftentimes I'll ask questions and I can it's I don't know, it's a weird internal thing. I can usually gauge where the person is really quickly and right. then use that to kind of pivot into doing the interview. So, yeah, it's a it's a couple of things. I read a lot of stuff. I, I burn through. I can tell I burn. <laughs> I burn through a lot of material like I'm the I'm the person that will listen to podcast at 1.5 times the speed while I'm working just so I can get I, it all. <laughs> I do. I do as well. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm at 1.5. Funny story here. I actually spoke to someone two nights ago mm-hmm. about a platform I used. Another friend was like, hey, could you you know, kind of introduce this guy to this marketing platform? So we got on a call and I'm listen, listening to him and we're talking to each other you know, for a little bit before. As I'm hearing him talk, I'm like, hold on, I've heard this guy's story before. And it turns out he was on a podcast right, that I listened to. Mm-hmm. But I didn't recognize the guy's voice because I'm always listening at 1.5. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you know, your voice is kind of, you know, a different pitch, different tone a little bit. Yeah, Um, like I listen to podcasts like that. I listen to audio books in that same way. Just because it's a good thing to just have on while I'm while I'm working. So if it's like a six hour book, I can burn through that before lunch. You know, if I start at eight in the morning and just keep it going, I've got. My headphones in, just yep. You know, that's it. That's right. <laughs> that's good, man. I appreciate you sharing. These are some great books. I know. You know, this is this is going to be be great. I'll, I'll make sure I put all these up on our show notes. What's something small you've done this month that you're proud of? Something small this month. Ooh, small, 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 small. Um, I would say honestly, it's been unplugging from the news. For a while, 
Mm-hmm. It's a small thing. I, know, I mean, I know, of course, I don't really have to go into detail about everything that's been going on lately here in this country, uh, mm-hmm. but it's been a lot. And I think it's important to just unplug, especially for people of color. It's just important to unplug for a while. You don't have to take everything in all the time. Um, so the small thing that I did was I came back from a podcast movement. I came back Saturday afternoon and I got, I got into Atlanta and heard about a really bad incident that happened here in Atlanta. And I'm just, and heard about the protest around it. And I came home and I, you know, put my bags to the side, turned on the TV and there was a Mr. Robot marathon. And that's all I did. I just watched Mr. Robot. Mm. I didn't look at the news. I closed the curtains. I ordered some food. That's all I did was just like veg out all day Saturday. And it's a small thing because as any of my friends will tell you, I am a workaholic. I will work till the midnight hour and past that. So for me to, (laughs) to unplug and not do anything, for me, I know personally, takes a lot of effort. And so I just, I came in and I just, I didn't want to deal with hearing about the news and I certainly didn't want to go right back into working. And so I just chilled out for the rest of the day. And it's a small thing. It's a really mundane time is important, man. Yeah. You know, but I mean, you have to recharge your batteries and that's what I did on, uh, on last Saturday. That's, I just watched Mr. Robot, ate some pizza chilled out that was it (laughs) yeah that's that's important man that's good that's good so before we wrap up we're about to wrap up here i'd love to invite you to take a take a minute and impart an inspiring message that can help our listeners elevate their game on blazer trail okay so this is simple uh it's a it's an old quote i'm not sure exactly who it was first attributed to and i may be even saying it wrong in this way but it's fortune favors the bold uh, it's a slogan that I've lived by for a long time. I even have it on a poster that I designed in my room. Uh, and what I mean to say is that fortune favors the bold is that you have to be someone that can take chances and step out on faith. When I first started my business in 2008, I quit my job with no warning at all. I didn't give two weeks. I just, I was, there were other circumstances that led up to it. When I was ready to go, I was ready to go. And then two weeks later, I started my business and I had no clients. I had no idea how I was going to make money. This was right during the holiday season. Um, And, you know, luckily I did end up landing a client a few weeks later. I had enough money to kind of float me over, but I did end up getting a client a few weeks later. And, you know, now eight years later, I'm still here, but I never would have taken that step. If I, I, I honestly, I don't think I ever would have taken that step if I just waited for like the right time for something right. to happen. So I had to be bold and step out and make it happen. And I think a lot of the big chances and the big opportunities that I've had in my career have been for me taking and making big, bold chances like that. So mm. that's what I would recommend is there may never be a perfect time to do what it is that you have to do. Um but you just have to step out and do it. If you really think that this is something for you and it's meant for you and you have the faith to see it through, just do it. Just step out and do it. Absolutely, man. That's so true. Got to step up and step up to the plate. Yep. And swing, swing it back. Man, before we let you go, please tell us how we can stay connected to you. Okay. So my personal website 
is mauricecherry.com. That's M-A-U-R-I-C-E-C-H-E-R-R-Y, like the fruit. Um, and on there, you can find links to me on Twitter, on LinkedIn. You can find my Tumblr there. Uh, my business is lunch. Uh, the website for that is yepitslunch.com, Y-E-P-I-T-S-L-U-N-C-H.com. And on there, you'll find links to where we are on Twitter and Facebook. And then for Revision Path, it's just revisionpath.com, R-E-V-I-S-I-O-N-P-A-T-H.com. And there you'll find links to us on um, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, basically anywhere you get podcasts. Just search for (laughs) Revision Path and you'll find us. Nice. Good deal. Uh, again, uh, for everyone listening, I'll put all these links up on our show notes page at tvpod.com. Maurice, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate you being bold to you know, step up today, be honest, transparent, share a ton of resources and knowledge. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate you being on. Oh, again, thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. It was fun. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of Maurice's book recommendations and resources mentioned in today's episode on our show notes page at tvpod.com. If you, if today was your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. We are so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go back and browse through some of our past episodes and really great content with uh, past guests of the of the podcast if you're a fan of the podcast and today's content especially i'm gonna really ask and 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 express my appreciation for you guys leaving us a review on itunes if you listen on google play tune in or stitcher radio i appreciate you leaving a review there as well but it's really you know helpful to get us more traction on itunes and get the podcast in front of more listeners. It's really easy. All you have to do if you have the app open is to hit the review tab and go ahead and and click on write a review. And I'd be so grateful if you hit me up on Twitter, on Facebook or Instagram and say, hey, Steven, you know, I went ahead and left you a review today. And, you know, I'll give you a special big ups in the next episode. Guys, don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday morning at 5 a.m. Trailblazers, I want you to jump off this podcast right now. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.